Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect. Here are your hosts, veterans John Galena and Brad Borders. Well, welcome to Putting the Pieces Back Together. We are happy to be here with you this week. Been a, been a crazy busy week. I'm putting the pieces back together, literally, of my of my body. Yeah, well, I'm, and my, and I'm my trying to pick health. up the pieces of my calendar after being on the road. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's been, I get it. It has been a week. So, uh, yeah, I got, uh, I got, I got, I came down with the vid again. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'm going to tell you, you know, everybody was like, oh, it's not that bad this time. That is a lie. That is an absolute lie. That is a lie from the pit of Satan. Um, it freaking hammered it's been me. Tough, huh? I'm, oh, bro, fever, headache, fatigue, and then like as I started to come out of it, I would wake up in the morning. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling great. And then like 10:30, there was like a you know a Mack truck that just came through my house and just eradicated my world. Wow, you get the full gambit there. Full Monty. Full Monty. Oh, wow. Man. I've never quite understood that phrase because isn't it actually technically that it's uh, nothing, Monty? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I think that that's probably there's nothing on, so therefore it's not full of anything, right? It's just total ends of the spectrum when it comes to Oh, my gosh. It never ceases to amaze me, man. Never in my head. We've been doing this together for... We've been working together would, for would six years. Would you consider years. it the empty Monty? <laughs> empty? Wow. We've been doing a radio program for two years, and it never ceases to amaze me. I never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Well, yeah, you no know, well, that's why I don't write my notes for you. That's why I stopped doing them. I wasn't reading them You anyways. weren't reading them. When we first got this thing started, I would, like, print out all these notes, and I would go, hey, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. And we had, like, a show clock, and, and we were, we oh, were yeah. like, super organized. Yeah, and now we had to say Specific words at certain times. You know, now what we have now, now everybody gets a Werther's original or a chocolate reason, and then we go to the show. We go to the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and just, and just think, we've, oh, we've, got, we've got, I think, one of the greatest guests we've ever had in the we show have, today. Um, we've got Kid Rock on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at him. I mean, could you could you imagine? I mean, I mean, look at that. You just, I don't, you know, know, I don't know how to describe it for the listeners. I'm going to describe I've it. Been is the whole here time. And he is in full beard. He's got a Take that hill hat on. He's got he's got a headset on, and he's got aviator sunglasses Sorta. that have an American flag imprinted on them. <laughs> he is so I think what today. he's really trying to say is that's the reason he couldn't ride a bicycle because he couldn't see it. <laughs> that's, right. that's exactly right. That's, that's what exactly happened. Right. Oh my gosh! Well, it's, either, it's either that, or we need to have a planned drug test as soon as we get off there. <laughs> absolutely I, was, true. I was told when I was hired that's something not that's something we did. Is that <laughs> well, it's, it's a policy we instituted at the beginning of this radio show. Uh, Oh, oh, wow. This is, uh, the employee handbook is a living document. It can we're, be changed we're at any time. Call uh, Mark Martin or uh, God, God home there. And, uh, See, he can't <laughs> get his name. Yeah. What's my lawyer's I got, name? I got nervous all of a sudden. Who? I don't know why. My Who's palms my are sweaty. I, don't know. I can't explain it. Maybe we ought to, uh, maybe we ought to introduce the show. Uh, let's do that. Let's yeah, do that, You are listening and putting the pieces back together presented by Purple Heart Homes. We're a 501c3 based out of Iredale County, North Carolina, but we do work all over. America to meet the housing needs for disabled veterans, and we're glad to be able to be doing that. And we've been doing that now for 15 years. We are now a four-star four charity star. with Charity Navigator. Hey, and how about how about we even were ranked as one of the top nine veteran housing charities in America that by Impactful Ninja? Alongside two 
got some other heavy hitters that yeah. we're proud to be mentioned in the it's same amazing. sentence with with Gary Sinise and Rebuilding Together. And Habitat others. for Humanity yeah, That's amazing, yeah. man. We're really proud of that. And so uh, a lot of hard work's gone into that, and a lot of great people uh, have come alongside us in this mission, and uh, we're really glad to be here. And we've been doing this radio show for now a year. And almost, we're almost to our hundredth episode, know, which is going to be a big celebration. Wow. Uh, we're going to do that sometime, I think, in October uh, is our hundredth episode. So we'll have uh, something special for that. Uh, but today uh, is one I've been looking forward to. We've been trying to pull this together for several months, and uh, one of my dearest friends on the planet that I served with at a very special place. Uh, I hope down he at doesn't listen to the previous radio show. No, he hasn't listened. I haven't let him. Okay, because he would have heard you say him. the same thing about the plastic. I know, I haven't let him. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I, uh, in my email to everybody about Jim, I, uh, I promoted him to Sergeant Major. And, you, you did. Uh, he, has, uh, he's, he was retired as a Master Sergeant, which is pretty lofty in the chain. But uh, uh, Jim, welcome to the program, and we're really glad you're here today. And Devin... I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So, <laughs> yeah. Long, yeah. All right, man. Well, we're glad you're here, man. Avery, then I would agree with you because, I mean, that dude's on the top of everyone's mm. books. That's for sure. Yeah. And so, uh, Jim served as uh, Nick's team sergeant uh, on a uh, on a pretty uh, pretty special with a pretty special group of guys at Third Special Forces Group, and so. Uh, we are really honored to have you here, and it's good to see your face. I wish you were in studio with us uh, so that I could give you a big hug, but I owe you one, and I'll drive down there to see you to do that in person. So, uh, but uh, thankful. Well, hey, Jim, before we get too far in, while we're, while we're talking about Nick a little bit, I'm just kind of curious. Did you serve as Nick's team sergeant before or after his injury? Or both? After. Okay, after. So that's, yeah. that's had to have been pretty spectacular to uh, witness uh, somebody who's lost a, a leg and then returning not only to active duty, not only to, uh, you know, a, a Green Beret unit, but then also deploying into combat. That had to have been pretty spectacular to witness. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, it was phenomenal in so many ways. But the most interesting part is, so I was fortunate, and I don't – you know, kind of guide me here. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I was fortunate enough to have a very senior team and also a very large team. So a standard ODA is 12, 12 men, right? They're talking about different sizes now um, and doing some tests on what is the right size for an ODA. But back then uh, I had a 17 man ODA wow. and that was unheard of. Um, you know, basically four of every MOS. So I had four 18 Bravos. Nick Lavery was an 18 Bravo. Uh, made my job very easy because my guys ran the show. So I, I literally rode on their coattails and was fortunate enough to be in their presence. Getting Nick on the team is a story in itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, all he's accomplished, and I, I know you guys had him on the show, he is a testament to intestinal fortitude and mental toughness yeah that dude sure. is the epitome of a warrior yeah and so what he did was he created an environment of no complaining no whining just get the work done on our team and getting him on the team was the biggest hurdle of all once he was on the team it was fire and forget um but he was the first above the knee amputee to return to operational status and to do that, he had to go through a series of physical tests called the operational readiness test. And the command at the time, the group commander and group CSM were like, no way, no how. 
I remember being up in their office arguing with them like this guy <laughs> deserves it. This guy needs it. And if I'm not getting yelled at daily, I'm not doing right by him. Well, they finally gave him a shot and you would have you would have been amazed at the gym the day he was doing the operational readiness test to determine if he could return to an operational detachment. The entire command was there. It was amazing. The whole, my whole ODA was there yeah. along with hundreds of other people. It was like a packed house. And this dude crushed it. Yeah. One of the events was a high box jump. And his mechanical leg just doesn't function like a real leg. So he, he's a physical specimen in every way. Jim, just... I, I'm going to interrupt you right there for just a second. It's a great place to segue to our break. This is a, a great t- test of uh, taste of uh, what's to come yep. in the upcoming uh, portions of the show. Uh, you are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's hear it, Kid Rock. Hey, you're listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple R. Holmes, with our guest, Jim Rooney. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit about his love letters to to Brad here in just a moment. uh... Whiteboard love letters. From Jim Rooney. I, actually, I think the the listeners going to have to go to Facebook and and hear about that. I'm going to later. I'm they, gonna, they will. We're going to move a, forward. I took a picture Enough about of love it. letters. Yeah, <laughs> Brad can post his pictures later. I've got no, pictures. None of that on none of that on today's show. Oh my word, Jim! You were uh, when, before the break. Uh, you were telling us about Nick Lavery, and for those that don't know, Nick Lavery is the first uh, above the knee amputee to go back to operational status as a Green Beret in the United States Army, and uh, he was on. He started on Nick's team and I mean on Jim's team and uh, Jim was telling us a little bit about the uh, operator readiness test that he did or the return to duty test at the time is what it was called. Uh, tell us a little bit about what he had to do uh, to to get back to get the approval of the command. Yeah so like I was saying it was an uphill battle and everyone was hesitant at first because let's be honest as a as a one-legged man on an ODA in an austere and ambiguous environment you're a liability right? Mm-hmm. And, and everyone respected that, no one more than Nick. Um, so, you know, when he had to do this box jump, one of the events, his leg just wouldn't function properly, his mechanical leg. So he took the leg off and did this box jump with one leg, where most of us had, had trouble doing it with two legs. That just shows kind of, you know, what he did to accomplish what he wanted. And then once once he got on the team and we deployed, I was given strict guidance. I mean, talking about everybody telling me, Jim, he is not to go on combat operations and become a liability. Because if Nick goes down, it's going to take like eight of us to carry him. Yeah, because he's, uh, he's a big dude. Yes. So I, I snuck every way I could to get him on the, the task board. He's driving an ATV. He's doing this. He's, you know, and... Um, and we went out on a few missions, and I got reprimanded a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He did, it, what? What didn't kill him make him strong? Made him stronger. He, yeah. He continued to pressure, pursue, and punish, no matter what he was doing. That's well, awesome. Jim, let's let's back up a little bit in your career, and and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what led you to join the, the military in general. Yeah. So I, I think I have a unique story. Um, and I'm grateful to be able to tell it. And I, I, I say what I'm about to say with all humility. Um, something I like to do is, is tell everyone, eat some humble pie before you, you speak to anyone, because there's always someone out there that's done more than you. They've done it better than you. Um, so I, 
I don't in any way want to come across as, as arrogant or anything, but I was very much a punk. I mean, just straight up. I was in my third year of college and I was dealing drugs. I'm talking cocaine, mushrooms, acid, weed, everything. I did everything. I, I sold it. I used it. I was in a really, really dark place. I got arrested for the third time and I won't go into details about all my arrests, but I deserved every bit of, I guess, harassment I got. Um, but I got arrested for my third time and the judge gave me an ultimatum, said, you're a punk. It's join the army or go to jail. So I didn't grow up wanting to be this elite soldier. I, you know, I didn't have any visions of grandeur in that field. I just didn't want to go to jail because I was afraid of getting raped, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. so, I wasn't expecting to hear that. that but, uh, that's, that's a pretty good reason not to go to jail. I don't know. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I concur. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. the truth. And so I I went to the recruiting station and I said, what's the bear? Because I didn't know. You know, some kids grow up. I want to be an airborne ranger like my dad. I, I No one in my family was in the military. I didn't know anything about it. And I had great parents, a great upbringing. I had no reason to be such a punk. I just was. And so I, I went to the recruiting station and said, what's the bare minimum I can do? And, uh, and they said, join the reserves. I went to one drill. Actually, I went to basic training. I got the shit kicked out of me uh, by, by a few drill sergeants. And I was in with some bloods and crips and got into a couple fights there. Um, but basically knocked me straight. I went to one drill and said, I need this in my life. So I joined 10th Mountain Division. And uh, how I did that was I went back to the MEP station and said, I need to go active duty. If I don't stay in the military, I'm going to be either dead or in jail in six months. And so uh, they said, where do you want to go? And I'm like, well, what unit's at war right now? And they're like, 10th Mountain Division. I'm like, send me there. Sounds like a good place to rehabilitate myself. And so this is what uh, year? This was 1993. Okay. And... Um, it was probably the you know the later part of '92, but by the time I got there, '93, and so I I I joined 10th Mountain Division, showed up to uh, to the unit. They were already deployed to Somalia, and this is the first time I deployed twice. And so I I flew over with this this other guy and met up with my unit. And here's a funny story on that. I'm a dumb private with zero tactical training, and I show up to my unit and. We weren't really in full conflict now. It was like Operation Restore Hope and Continue Hope. This is prior to Operation Gothic Serpent. And uh, they were at the beach just kind of hanging out. So I take my shirt off and hours later, I've got blisters all over my body. I got second degree burns from the sun. And so my squad leader gave me an Article 15 for damaging government property. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I've been threatened with the same thing. Well, anyways, I returned, I returned to Fort Drum. You know, re, that deployment was short, maybe a month, month and a half. And I didn't do anything. Didn't fire a single shot. Um, then we reset and then redeployed. And again, I still have zero tactical training. But that's when we were in um, October 3rd and 4th and about five or six other engagements outside of October 3rd and 4th. But that that's when... I really experienced the, the major part of, you know, Operation Gothic Serpent. Yeah. So there's a there's a cool story about some dudes you met that day or one of those days that kind of inspired you to take another path in the military. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Sure I, that I remember we were, the, the first time we went out, we were we were the uh, 
the quick reaction force for the Rangers and, and CAG. And so we get the call and we were all staged and ready to go from the university. We, we drive out, we take contact from every direction. I mean, it was like the wild west. I mean, there were, there was gunfire everywhere. The, the Somalis were shooting at you from both sides of the alley. So like a Polish ambush and you just pick a side, you're going to take rounds from the rear and from the front. So, I mean, so I just kind of traversed left and right shooting the, the trucks we had didn't have armor on them or they had very limited armor. And uh, so they were getting shot to shit. Anyways, we, we, we pulled back from that. I mean, they, they set up all these roadblocks with burning tires and burning vehicles and we just smashed through them. And then I remember this, this CAD guy coming up to me and we're in the heat of battle, like guns, <clears throat> guns flying everywhere. And he just says, Hey, how you doing, son? And I said, I'm just, I'm effing scared. Yeah. I, again, I'm a private with zero tactical training. I'm a gunner on a Humvee with an M60 machine gun and a Mark 19. And uh, so I'm like, I'm just scared. I'm just shooting at everything that's shooting at me, you know, like. Um, and so this dude says, hey, man, you're doing it right. Keep shooting back. And I'm like, how, how the hell do you do it right? Like, you know, there, I have no chicken plate, no cupola, no protection. And it's just by the grace of God that I didn't take a round in every part of my body. Um, and I remember I was like, I got to piss so bad. And this is like hours into the fight. And I'm like to my squad leader, I got to piss. And he's like, really? And so you literally had to have another dude jump up in the turret and continue firing while you got down. And I'm leaning against this wall pissing and rounds are flying all around my head. I'm like this, I'm going to go down taking a piss. <laughs> Sounds like a really similar story that Nick Lavery shared about jumping out of the yep. back of the Nick Chirgundi. Uh, he was actually not number one. He was doing number two. I like how you, how politically correct you said that. It was like met FCC guidelines. Yeah, that's number right. two, not dropping that's a deuce, right. not anything. Number two, Nick. that wasn't a subtle hit to anyone, not, not was it? Dropping LT off at the pool, yeah. nothing like that. Yeah. No man, yeah. Nick had to. Nick had to. His leg wasn't on. He had to throw himself in the. This was when they were in Africa. He was yeah. telling oh that story. God. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, he had to throw himself in the back of the pickup truck. But, you truck. know, I think for our listeners, they, you know, the battle doesn't stop and your bladder doesn't That's stop. Right. You That's know, so, yeah. things got to <laughs> work, That's right? Exactly right? It's all got to come together. Yeah. Hey, I want to I give a quick shout out to my daughter, Ava, who's at ECU. I love you, girl. She's uh, hey, she just joined Kyle Omega sorority. We're so proud of her. She's She's the best thing in my life. So. That's awesome. I, that's, that's fantastic. Awesome. So we got, we got just about two minutes before a break here. Uh, tell us about your family real quick. So I'm fortunate enough to have the most amazing wife of 22 years, and we have plenty of struggles. And that's something I want to make sure we talk about this, this episode. Um, and I have two children, an 18-year-old daughter, Ava, at ECU, and a 14-year-old son, Bryce, who's awesome at travel baseball and everything else he sets his mind to. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And and I, I do look forward to uh, this upcoming segment and talking about family and struggles and reintegration. That's really what the show's uh, primarily about. And, you know, it's just uh, great having you on, on the show with us and uh, hearing these stories and uh, just would love to talk some more about leadership as well and how that developed for you over the years going from uh, being, as you say, a, a punk kid in the court sending you to, to 
the military and and then becoming this amazing leader and yeah. uh, certainly somebody that uh, leads Nick Lavery and and so many other great Americans uh, somebody we can all learn from and so we look forward to hearing all about that stuff yeah and I'll, I'll tell you this just personally so you know Jim and I met um, at a funeral right but practicing for a funeral maybe we'll talk a little bit about that after the break but uh, <laughs> That's how our relationship started in 2010, actually. Guess it's been that long. So uh, um, it's just uh, you're listening to putting the pieces back together. We've got our friend, uh, Master Sergeant Retired Jim Rooney. He's a Green Beret. Um, he's a living legend in my mind, and I know not in his. But uh, we'll be back with more with him uh, here in just a few minutes after a break where you can hear about our sponsors who oh. keep us on the and air. don't forget, we got Devil Dog Devin in the room. And come back with the project of the week. So we'll see you in three minutes. Welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. We're here with our friend Jim Rooney, Master Sergeant, retired uh, Green Beret. And uh, we are just having a great time here on the show with him today, uh, learning about uh, his uh, life experiences, what led him into the service, uh, what what it was like leading a, a team of uh, top performers, the true one percenters of the one percenters yeah, true, of, the, uh, no of the United States military and uh, just a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. If you missed any part of the show, be sure to go back and check it out either on uh, Facebook or you can uh, check it out on uh, podcast uh, and, and be able to yeah, listen man, to some can, other shows yeah, as well. And on, on WSIC's page, you can, they, uh, they uh, record and put all the stuff up on their page, and so you can go back and watch this stuff later on and, yep. uh, if, you know, if you're glutton for punishment. Yeah, yeah that's right. So. so before we get back to Jim, uh, let's, let's hear from uh, Kid Rock, a.k.a. Uh, Devil Dog. <laughs> Devin, uh, I'm not sure what to think of these glasses yet. I'm, I'm still just uh, in awe. It amazes me. Uh, if, if you don't know, uh, Devil Dog is a TikTok rock star. <laughs> I, I don't know about rock. He sort of looks like one. Well, it's more like TikTok fall like a rock star. <laughs> His most recent TikTok with uh, with Brad about take that hill. Brad found this really special bike, and, and when I say special bike, I mean like one you would see at a circus. Yes. Uh, yes. It's got a, a three foot tall wheel Giant. in the front and a, a, about a three Massive. inch wheel in the back. And, yeah. And, and, and Devin was wearing these same glasses, and, and on the sh on the video, I thought maybe Devin just forgot how to ride a bike. He's pretty athletic. Oh, man. But That's now that I see him with these uh, glasses, I'm realizing the glasses might have had. They're like the googly glasses where you can't see like. No, the they're, they're because I'm going so fast on that bike. You know, I got to keep the wind out of my eyes. Yeah, it's like you had to get a run and jump to get you, on the seat. You didn't see the lightning flying. You oh need my to gosh, talk to Wes it? about actually bringing that bike to take that hill and you leading everybody else. Oh my god. Yeah. What, let's it, let's it, not do that. I know there's gonna be paramedics there, but I, I don't want to see nobody oh hurt. See it. We had to get extra liability coverage for it. <laughs> so if you're unaware, if you're unaware, on October the seventh, Purple Heart Homes host a uh, fundraising event called Take That Hill. Uh, it, it's it's coined and and as something Brad started, it's coined as uh, you know, in the military every generation's had a hill to take. Whether mm -hmm. it was uh, World War One, mm -hmm. World War Two, uh, Civil War, Revolutionary War, Iraq, Afghanistan, everybody's taken a hill somewhere, and uh, and so in the process uh, we honor uh, the men and women that have fought and served in in our uh, nation to. Uh, be able to go out and fundraise so we can make sure that veterans have a safe place to call home. So, mm -hmm. uh, Devin, in in his 
meager, earnest efforts to help promote <laughs> Take That Hill decided to go for a bike ride that, that Brad filmed for him. It did. It's been, it, Brad, it you said it took four hours for him to ride that bike. <laughs> no, he did. I, actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Devin, Devin is, is fairly athletic. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it. Wait I mean, a minute. So anybody that can roll on the ground is athletic? Well, he actually got up on that bike, which was like, I wouldn't do it. I, I just was like, oh, I am not getting on, up on that thing. It's too high for me, man. I'm scared of heights. And, it was, and he got up on it. He fell. He, he the first time he could have severely injured himself. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some things was, got caught. Yeah, that was, that was not good. And then, but we got all that on video. So this is good. So anyhow, hey, you got a project of the week for us, we, man. We Help do. us out. Hey, uh, well, let's talk about uh, one of our chapters in, down there in Mississippi. Oh, down I, there, I had, not I out there. there. Well, you, you know, yeah. I feel I, okay. You're yeah. good, man. Yeah, You're right, geographically right. correct today. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we have a chapter in uh, Mississippi called the Pine Belt Chapter, and you know. Not all of our chapters are are going out there and swinging hammers on projects. Uh, some of them, are, they're just connected to their community, and they, they help us find funding, and they help us find the, the most important part, the veterans in need. Yeah, and and uh, this is just one of those cases where we had a, ch- uh, a Marine oh, oh, out there in... Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> in Mississippi, uh, Staff Sergeant Bentley, and he he had a hole in his roof. It's mm. it's leaking in there. And anybody who knows anything about houses knows that uh, if if your roof is leaking, if you ignore it, your whole house is going to be ruined before yeah. long. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, working through the Pine Belt chapter, they connected us uh, back up to to headquarters and. We we got with our great partner OC Roofs yep. and Owens Corning. Oh, excuse me, Owens Corning for those who are laymen and, and not not in the know. <laughs> That's right. Um, and they got this fella a brand new roof. That's amazing. Uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, he's he's happy. He's, he's dry, dry, and uh, it's it's all thanks to just having some boots on the ground in the community. That's so if you'd like to be some of those boots on the ground, uh, contact us at. PHHUSA.org. That's but before one. we get back to Jim, I just got to go to one thing that you said. That I, I heard a whole new context to Urah. We had <laughs> we, Paul and I were out in Texas for a military makeover a show this this past week. Give a quick shout out to Project Echelon and Argon Eighteen donated a, a, a trial time trial bike mm-hmm. to the veteran that Paul and I were able to present oh, out that's there. Crazy. And mm-hmm. a really cool one that was in honor of Take That Hill. We invited the veteran to come join us for next year's Take That Hill event. So it's really cool. Uh, but in the process, there were a group of cheerleaders when we were filming the big reveal. And the cheerleaders are going, rah, rah, rah. And, Marine Paul, Corps and Paul got so into it, he's going, he forgot the ooh. And he just went, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Paul? And it's on video. You have oh to my watch gosh. military makeover. Oh. And so now when I think of Marines, I think of cheerleaders. Oh, gosh. That'll forever be burned in my mind. No more crayons. We'll There's cheerleaders. We're going to get Devin a uh, cheerleader out. Yep. Pom-poms. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right, oh, let's get coming. back to our guest. Jim. Yeah, absolutely. He's much more interesting. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, true. Jimmy, we got about three minutes till our break, but I want you to, for the next three minutes, I want you to let everybody know what, what it took for you to go from um, where you were as a, as an infantry dude in in Tenth Mountain Division to to putting on a green beret? Yeah, so it, it started um, 
when I saw the uh, the folks in 1993 in Mogadishu. Again, I had I had no point of reference or nothing to compare them to. I just knew that these dudes looked different than me, and they acted like it was a training exercise. And it was to this day the most intense firefight I've ever been in my life. And it's also um, documented as the most fierce fighting since Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So it was a significant battle, the Battle of Mogadishu. And being there on the lower end of the soldier spectrum and then being around people like my friends, General Retired Scott Miller, you know, who were on the higher end of the soldier spectrum, we both shared the same emotions, which was a true fight for your life. And then you have to protect those to your right and left. Mm-hmm. It was right then and there that I think unconsciously the seed was planted. And that thrust me in to finish my time at 10th Mountain. I took a small break and was an instructor at the Mountain Warfare School up in Vermont. And uh, and then from there, I just kind of figured I, I always wanted to go higher. So I I went to Special Forces from there um, because I wanted I wanted to be that guy that was that calm under fire that I saw in 1993. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. The, the term has been coined as non-anxious presence. Um, so the, it's the ability to be non-anxious in, while you're present with people in the midst of chaos. And, mm. and uh, one of the things that I saw while working, um, you know, in that community with Jim and a lot of other, a lot of other great men was that ability to, to be, you know, as cool as the other side of the pillow, as Stuart Scott used to say on ESPN. But, uh, you know, in the middle of, you know, traumatic things going on, people just did not lose their heads. And the primary reason for that is was the type of character that people brought in through the selection process. That's selected out, right? Character is one of the big things. But then the training, there's so much confidence in the training that, that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, creates this um, level of confidence that is um, this unmatched anywhere. It's not. It's not cockiness. It's. It's just plain confidence, and uh, it's. It's contagious to be around. It really is. So, uh, hey, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. You've been listening to putting the pieces back together, and we've got Master Sergeant retired Jim Rooney on. He's a Green Beret. Uh, he's a special human being. We're going to hear some more from him when we come back to finish out the show. All right, we are back with you live at WSIC News Studios, and we are just uh, having the time of our life out here. We've got a a great show going on. If you missed any part of it, you can uh, pick it up on WSIC uh, Facebook uh, channel where you can get uh, all sorts of other shows that you can uh, listen to. Uh, whether it's uh, local politics, uh, news, sports, uh, you name it, and uh, and it's Aaron here on WSIC. And you can also check out Purple Heart Homes Facebook page. You can pick up the events that we have going on and other uh, other activities and projects. Uh, as we uh, start to wrap up the show here, we've got a couple more questions for our guest. Uh, Jim Rooney, and so we're going to go right into uh, into those questions. Yeah, Jim. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what your career looked like uh, as a Green Beret, and and uh, and then and you know we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the challenges that uh, all that brings, right? Yeah. So if uh, yeah, man, fill us in on that. You know, first off, I was very fortunate to be around great people. Um, every bit of success that I had was due to the people around me. And, and as I look back now as a 52-year-old retiree, I'm grateful for those relationships, 
some good, some bad, but the people around me are, are what made me who I am. And I loved every bit of being in the military. So we'll talk about transition, but you know, I don't want to get too far ahead. I love being retired as well. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to spend many, many years as a Green Beret. I never really did any instructor time at SWIC or any, any structured instructor time. The only break I took was for a year to teach out at Safawik. And you, if you remember, Brad, I do. I would bring you out and I, I, I kind of taught you how to shoot a little bit. Um, we had some really good times there. That was a year in my life. And the only reason I did that is because at that point, my wife and I were, were on the verge of divorce and she said, something's got to change. So I went to the CSM and said, I need a break or I'm going to get divorced. Not knowing that I still, I'm, I'm going to carry these issues for the rest of my career. And even now still some, but so I took that break, but outside of that, I had basically 14 years of operational time. Now that operational time was everything from an 18 Bravo weapon sergeant. I got four years as an 18 Zulu team sergeant. Um, I ran the dog program for almost three years. The third group, uh, special forces, multi-purpose canine detachment. And then I finished up my last couple years as uh, the senior enlisted advisor for General Baudet at USASOC in the Commander's Action Group. So my entire time was operational. And that time was, I'd say every 12 month period, I was home for probably anywhere from eight to nine months. Yeah. Wow. To, I mean, I mean, I was gone for eight to nine months. I was home for three to four months out of every 12 month period. Yeah. Obviously that strain took a heavy, heavy toll on my marriage. Um, Double digit deployments too, wasn't it? I mean, it was 10 or 11 deployments, wasn't it? I had 12 deployments. Yeah. Deployment mm. yeah. And here's, here's the, here's an interesting part too. As a team sergeant, I was very fortunate to get four years. Most guys get two to three years. I'm not sure what it is right now, but um, limited. Uh, and then I had great guys around me. So again, my experiences as a team sergeant were because I had, I had stellar dudes and now they're all team sergeants and sergeant majors. They, I mean, and they're doing it better than I ever could. Um, so again, I rode on their coattails and, uh, and it's because they were phenomenal. Um, but you know, as the four years as a team sergeant, I lost guys every trip except for one, every yeah. deployment except for one. And that took a heavy, heavy toll, not only on me, but my wife. Because as the team sergeant, I take responsibility for my guys. But as my wife, as a team sergeant's wife, she didn't sign up to take responsibility for the families back here in the States. And as we all know, like it's easy, when we lose a guy overseas, we get to reset and then we get to get our aggression and frustrations out within 48 to 72 hours, we're back in the mix and we're, we're letting that anger out. We almost get instant retribution, payback and anger. So when we come home months later, that's all done with. We've, we've done our job and we've let it out. But back here in the States is where the, the real struggling happens. The wives and the kids have to deal with the day-to-day -day sadness, the horrific, horrific environment of the loss of a loved one and it never leaves. It mm -hmm. leaves an emptiness in their heart. And that's why, Brad, with Eric Iman, it hit us all extremely hard because no. we were here. 
So for the first time, I realized what I put my wife through and the, the trauma that she had to endure. And it was way worse than any anything we endured as soldiers overseas. Yeah, yeah. And, it was, and I was telling everybody during the break is that, you know, a lot of the friends that I have, um, you know, coming from my time of service, that are the deepening of our relationships happened, you know, unfortunately at memorials and funerals. And that's where, where Jim and I met when we lost Ben Bittner yeah, and you so know, 2010. Me, on that yeah. one, Brad. So when, when Brad and I met at the JFK Chapel, I remember we were doing rehearsals for a funeral and these words stuck with me for my entire life. Still to this day, I remember it like it was yesterday. Brad stood up there and we were doing the rehearsals for like the 20th time. And I'm like, oh man, we got this, come on. And he's like, do it again. Old chappy driving, you know, cracking that whip. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, look, check it out, fellas. Death is chaotic. And so we will do this until it is 100% correct and with precision and accuracy. Because death is so chaotic, the more we can add precision and accuracy to this environment, the more semblance of peace we give to the family. That's true. Yep. That's exactly what you said to me, Brad. And it's so true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I remember that. It does bring order. And it's done the same way every single time, all over, everywhere, for every loss. Right. And it and it's to be expected. And it's 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 the one thing that you can't the chaos of loss that you, you can't replace. You can't undo that. But what we can do is try to bring some kind of order back into things. And that's what that's why those ceremonies are so important. You know, you know, it's so interesting. I got a call this morning and uh, and and basically I was asked, uh, why is a flag folded twice at a funeral? I said, a flag's not folded twice at a military funeral. He said, yeah. I said it was unfolded, folded, unfolded, and refolded again. I said, huh. that that is just not the case. That, is, that, that does not happen. And they said, well, I said the flag comes in draped over the casket. It's removed from the casket. It's folded, and it's presented to the family. So, well, it was, it was not a casket. The particular yeah, it, veteran was it came uh, folded it came folded because yep. the veteran was cremated right. and i said okay well, so well, that's why it was unfolded the first time yeah. and if during the folding process it was not folded to the precise yeah, number of folds yep. then they will unfold it and correct it and refold yep. it so that when it's finished it is correct right yes. and and i you know I, those things those little yeah, things man. are noticed by the family yeah they are right and yeah. they they do matter and they do make a difference they and so, absolutely and matter. that's important whether it's uh somebody that's uh, killed on active duty or whether it's a veteran yeah, receiving for sure. you know military honors absolutely. yeah for sure yeah. yeah so jim um you know through all loss and 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 the we've got about three minutes left um tell us how what, what's been your you know how have you transitioned from all of that and and uh, man, how are you putting the pieces back together? Yeah, yeah, this is perfect. Um, so first off, I had I had great people around me during transition. I was fortunate enough to my, my good friend, General Retired Fran Baudet, said, you're going to do a retirement ceremony. And I said, I don't want a retirement ceremony. At that time, I was dealing with a lot of mental or medical, mental and physical um, issues that I had not fully addressed. And so he said, this is not about you. This is about your family. And so basically he forced me to do it. And I'm <laughs> glad he did because 
it was a it was a great ceremony. Again, I was not in my right mind. I'm, I'm tell you, Brad. You see pictures of me and my uniforms hanging off me. I had no muscle tone. I felt like death. Um, so, you know, in one way it was a good transition, but in another way I said, wow, I have got an uphill battle. Hmm. And so how I started to put the pieces back together is honestly, I'm two years post-retirement. I dealt with some medical stuff. I'm still dealing with more medical stuff, but I had everything from TBI to PTSD to heavy metal, toxic exposure mm -hmm. uh, to physical injuries. And so I've been on a detox regimen for the better part of a year and I get some of that crap out of me, but now I still have very much physical and mental issues that need addressing for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So you can't just fix it and be done as a retired veteran that has been exposed to trauma, both at, at the house and on the job, you have to deal with these and address them for the rest of your life. Yeah. So what I'm doing now is I'm acknowledging mm -hmm. all the issues that I have <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm straight honest. I seek therapy. I seek other interventions that are healthy and my relationship with my wife is is building back, but it has been, it's like starting back over. Yeah. Um, and so I, I struggled. I want to tell everyone on this show, I struggle daily and that's okay because I know that I have people I can reach out to like you. I love you, Brad. You're, I if too. I ever need you, I know you, I got your ear to bend, but don't think for one minute that there's a glorified process. Everyone's going to struggle at some point. Yeah. And yeah. I'm very much in the middle of that. And I feel like two years post-retirement, you're still scratching the surface. Jim, I just want to just want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, the vulnerability, being willing to come on the show and uh, share your story. It's refreshing. We yeah, all need you. somebody. We all need help. We all need somebody to lean on. And I uh, thank you for your service. We love you, brother. Thank you. You've been love listening you to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. <laughs>